Good morning. Please join us for the prayer of illumination this morning, and then the first reading, the words of Moses to the people. Bow your heads, please. Prepare our hearts, O God, to accept your word. Silence us, silence in us any voices but your own, so that we may hear your word and also do it. Give us humble, teachable, and obedient hearts that we may receive what you have revealed and do what you have commanded. Amen. Amen. And now the reading from the fourth chapter of Deuteronomy. So now, Israel, give heed to the statements, statutes, and ordinances that I am teaching you to observe so that you may live to enter and occupy the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. You must neither add anything to what I command you, nor take away anything from it, but keep the commandments of the Lord your God with which I am charging you. You must observe them diligently for this will show your wisdom and discernment to the peoples who, when they bear and hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and discerning people. For what other great nation has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is whenever we call to him? And what other great nation has statutes and ordinances as just as this is in the entire law that I am setting before you today. But take care and watch yourselves closely, so as neither to forget the things that your eyes have seen, nor to let them slip away from your mind all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading this morning comes from uh, the epistle of James, uh, a letter that uh, James wrote. It's chapter 1, verses 17 through 27. <clears throat> Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, Slow to anger, for your anger does not provide God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves and on going away immediately forget what they were like. 
But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any thinks that they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Amen. So this letter from James is a general epistle or letter, um, one of maybe the earliest letters in the New Testament. Uh, Most scholars believe it was written several decades after Jesus' death and resurrection, uh, probably right after the martyrdom of Stephen, which set off a persecution of, uh, within Jerusalem by the Romans who persecuted the Jews and the, the Christian Jews and scattered them really around the world. And this kind of fledgling, fledgling offshoot of faith uh, went far and wide within the Roman Empire. Now, at this stage of development, there really wasn't an organized church. Um, so the leaders or people that perceived themselves to be leaders uh, would write these letters and send them out to these far-flung communities, and they would pass them around and, and read them uh, for encouragement for building up their faith community. The author here identifies himself as James, a servant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is writing to the twelve tribes scattered abroad. The epistle is traditionally attributed to James, the brother of Jesus. Now, as I said, James is writing um, in order to be encouraging to his readers and for them to live consistently with what they have learned in in Christ's teachings. Uh, Even though they may find themselves in, in a hostile land, they need to cling to what they have learned and what they know about Christ and by living that faith out in their community. Uh, He also condemns various sins, including pride, hypocrisy, favoritism, and slander. He encourages and implores believers to be humble, to live a godly life, and not one that is dictated by the world, and to pray in all situations. Now, unfortunately, maybe in in our modern time, uh, this letter from James has kind of gotten a bad rap. And, and that all started way back in 1520 uh, when Martin Luther, the great reformer, in one of his writings, The, the Freedom of a Christian, um, called this epistle an epistle of straw. And it really never recovered from that blow. Um, now, scholars on the reform side tended to look at this view and, and take Luther's side and maybe look at James's writing with some suspicion um, and tend they would... The, the scholars and the church really, in a sense, would point to Paul's writings more, which is about salvation by faith alone. Uh, Luther saw only law and action emphasized in James's book. Poor James, I, I don't think he really fully recovered ever from that Luther blow. Uh, it's amazing the institutional church lives on, and from 1520 we still uh, maybe don't spend as much time in James as we should. Uh, I came to this great letter later in life and ministry, and there's really some good gems in here, some good uh, life lessons, some good way to live the Christian life, I think is is very helpful if you read James. Um, 
you know, if we go back into the context in which it was written, it's just a simple letter of encouragement uh, to send out to this band of people that are scattered around the world, sometimes alone, sometimes in these hostile communities that don't have the same religion and the same faith they do. But they have one thing in common, one thing in common with these, all these groups spread around. They're all disciples of Christ. They're all Christ followers. And, and what I hear in James's letter is this encouragement to them to say, hang on, just hang on. Remember what you have been taught from Christ himself. And, you know, it's easy to have faith, but the true faith is putting that love of Christ that you have in you, putting that love into action. So I don't know about you, but I certainly need that word today, and I need it badly. Uh, just when I think things cannot seriously get any worse in our country and in our world, the headlines hit me in the face. COVID numbers rising, hospital rooms and ICU rooms filling to capacity, children getting sick, major hurricanes forming, the continual name-calling and bickering that comes out of Washington, and, of course, the heartbreaking news from Afghanistan. It seems overwhelming. But what James reminds me, and I hope to remind you, is that our impact on the world does make a difference. We may not have the ability to change the world at the snap of our fingers, but we have the ability to change the way that we react to situations and make small and subtle changes in the way that we respond to each other. And that, my friends, in the long run, will truly change the world. Now, I think James was a keen observer of human nature. And it seems to me that he played, paid very close attention to the details of everyday living. As one writer said, he noticed the generous acts, the small gifts, the gestures, and the words that people used with each other. He knew that such small acts are just the nuts and bolts of everyday life, holding together a structure, a fabric on which we can build a community and a social order. Now, James especially focused on words. You've probably heard me say a few times, if you listen, if you really listen to someone really well, they will eventually speak their theology. And what I mean by that is that if you listen to what someone's saying, you can really tell something about their life and about their particular worldview and about where they are emotionally, where their life is. We need to be better listeners. I think our American tendency in a conversation is to rush ahead to that next great statement that we're going to make and not pause and listen. Relish in the words of our companions. Because words can make a big difference. Words can make a difference in the way that we relate to each other. Our words can reveal things about our motive, about our intention, about our beliefs, and about our emotional life. Our emotional life grows from our earliest relationships with others. That inner conversation also that we have with ourselves, that constant inward talking that we do. Our emotions are how we present ourselves to others. They're ways in which we can express that inner self, who we truly are. Let's take, for example, the emotion anger. James says we're to be slow to anger. 
Now, anger is an emotion that can be destructive and harmful if it's left unchecked. But I can also be an early warning system that alerts us to maybe that something isn't right. Again, if we're really listening, if we're paying attention and we detect some anger kind of rising up in us, it might just be putting us on notice that something is, out of, something is, is not right. Something's kind of out of shape. So anger can actually be channeled to lead us to protest or to improve a situation. So anger is not all bad. It's part of our defense system. But there is another side of anger. It's that runaway, over-the-top, destructive and harmful anger. It's harmful to self. It's harmful to our family. And it's harmful to our community. So I want to a little dig deeper into anger. I don't know about you, but I, I've certainly seen an increase in unchecked anger around me and towards me. I've actually been doing a lot of reading about anger. I've been listening to angry words, and I've been reading angry emails. And I've prayed about my own anger that wells up in me more frequently than it used to. This feeling, this introspect, led me to James. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. How might we use these, this three-part verse to lower our anger and be doers of that word that God calls us to do and to help others to turn our energy positive for God's kingdom? Now, I found the best way to change things that we don't like is if we change ourselves first. In all honesty, and, and social research proves this, our influence on other people is actually not really strong at all. Let me just ask you this question. When was sending just one more bold and all caps email or one more snarky social media post actually change things for the better. I'm waiting. I'll answer for you. Never. It never helps. It never does any good. So let's let James help us find a better way. Here's just a few things I learned about anger. Let's be quick to listen. I found out that about 95% of anger that is directed at me is not about me. It has nothing to do with me. In fact, as a pastor, I use the evidence of anger as a marker to step up my listening skills. My experience, my experience has been that anger directed at another person is usually based in something totally unrelated. Think for a moment about road rage, for example. Something I'm sure we have all experienced in the town so aptly named Mount Pleasant. <laughs> or maybe a few of us have been ragers ourselves. But the point being is that road rage usually has nothing to do with the rules of the road. Now, I'm not telling you to go engage someone that has chased you off the road or cut in front of you or cut you off in a pleasant conversation. I'm just using that as an example. What I'm saying is when you're confronted with anger or rage from someone that you care about, listen. My guess is, is that person that's spewing that anger is hurting. 
hurting deeply inside. By listening, we can maybe help them see that and will help them face that fear that they have and ultimately maybe help them find a solution. Be slow to speak. The pandemic has separated us from each other in many ways. As more of our life has moved online with Zoom and online learning and shopping, as our personal contact and interaction has become less frequent, uh, the, normal, the normal social norms that, we would have, that would have kind of kept our emotions in check have loosened up a bit. We have become a little bolder, maybe a little more aggressive as we kind of hide behind the safety of our keyboards and our screens. And to be honest, we live in an angry age. In the current crises of the pandemic, the deep political polarizations, climate change, racial division, you name it, and we're angry about it. And distance from each other doesn't help. In fact, it makes it worse, far worse. According to Kerry Nyhoff, a, a pastor and a futurist uh, that I read a lot from, uh, he said this, Here's what happens when we get separated from each other in normal conditions, but especially in the midst of a crisis. Distance between people desensitizes us to people. We desensitize each other almost out of existence to a point where my opinion and my opinion only is the law and the rule of the land. Think of how we sometimes behave in our cars, and I don't know why I'm on cars this week. I haven't been able to drive because of my surgery, so maybe I'm longing for cars, but anyway, that's the analogy. Think about your car. When you're in your car and you're driving around, you're probably a little more aggressive. You occasionally speed. You might cut in front of somebody or tailgate them if they're not going too fast. You're going to honk that horn. You're not carrying and acting normally like you probably would if you were just walking down the sidewalk. So why do you behave differently? Well, maybe it's because you're in a 3,000-pound armored vehicle. Maybe you don't see the person that's bothering you even as a human being. It's just an obstacle that's in your way, a problem to be solved by you and a way for you to express your aggression. You know, research shows that even in the supermarket, that people who push a buggy are more aggressive than those that carry a basket under their arm. So that same dynamic is at work in social media and our life online. When we're not face-to-face, -face, when we're not in the room, when we can't be humanly interactive, that distance, those objects can cause barriers. And it makes us easier for our unhealthy emotions to overflow. The bottom line is just be slow to speak. Allow additional time to process what you're hearing, what has occurred. You know, write an email response to that angry, all bold caps email. Write a response, then hit delete. That's my mode, delete. You know, one of the many things that I've learned from Lib um, that I appreciate in her is to invite uh, someone with anger uh, into a conversation. Now, obviously, when this is appropriate and safe, I'm not, again, uh, don't get in with the road rager, but if there's some anger and there's something that's been going on and you feel safe, you know, step into that. 
Break up that distant, non-personal chain of discussion. Go have a cup of coffee together. Go for a walk together. Um, Just give some time to listen and be slow to speak. And more clarity and insight will surely come. And be slow to anger. Now this one is going to hurt a bit, but let's be honest with ourselves. We're all angry. We're angry. Life has really given us a raw deal the last year or so. And we're pretty angry about it. So something that wouldn't get under your skin in normal times probably is getting under your skin today. Something you would have handled maturely and calmly has now got you roiling inside. We've canceled vacations. We've missed school events. We've missed church events. We've missed birthday parties, weddings. And we've missed that chance to say goodbye to loved ones who have passed. Our own church, a place where many of us find comfort and solace from the troubles of the world, has been filled with turmoil for far too long. So we're angry, and that's okay. Be honest with yourself. But it's not okay to strike out in your anger. This is where it's important to listen to James. Therefore, rid yourself of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your soul. Be doers of that word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. That implanted word you heard this morning, the word of God, is implanted in you and it is before you and in you. So be doers of that word, not just passive listeners, but do it, live it, be filled with it. That is what God wants you to do. So if you're still struggling a little bit, here's some things you can do. Again, I'm a firm believer in internal work first. I think to keep anger in check in these difficult days, we need to recognize the losses that we've experienced, and we need to grieve those losses. All the things that I mentioned a few minutes ago above that have made us angry, we need to grieve that. We need to recognize the loss and the pain, the hurt, And spend some time grieving. We need to grieve with ourselves. We need to grieve with those around us. And most importantly, we need to grieve with God. God is ready and willing to listen to your grieving heart. Now, if you're feeling a little low and angry, surround yourself with people who give you energy and not people who pull you down or ratchet up your anger. I've got a couple of really good friends I turn to in times of trouble. They've been there through thick and thin for a really long time, and they are brutally honest with me. When I get off track, it won't take long to get a text or an email from either one of them. I also have a loving family that loves me unconditionally, but also they won't let me give away, get away with much. No cheap shots or angry retorts. And lastly, I would ask you all to go easy on yourself. It's been a rough year and a half on all fronts. We have all made mistakes. We've all said and done things we probably shouldn't have. So relax a little bit. Go for a walk. Read a good book. Call a friend you haven't talked to in a long, long time. Spend some quality time 
with God's word and with God. Take some time to yourself and give yourself a break. We can't all be superheroes. Go easy on yourself. In closing, these awful angry times find something positive to do. James remind us if any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for the orphans and the widows and their distress and keep oneself unstained by the world. My friends, we've done that this week. We've collected groceries to give to Echo. If you've done that, thank you so much. You can still continue to collect food and take it to Echo. And just, you know, that's a very simple act to just collect some groceries, put them in a bag, drive them over to a six-mile road and drop them off. Very easy thing to do. Um, I wanted to share with you this week uh, in the mail, our family, this is Sindley. Picture of Sindley, if you can see him. This is our friend Sindley. Uh, I met Sindley, uh, our family met Sindley several, several years ago in Haiti. Um, he's a student at Haiti Outreach Ministries at the school. They'll start school on Monday. And uh, we've sponsored Sindley for, for several years. Uh, we're blessed by him and by his family. We've been able to go down and visit with him uh, pre-COVID and take gifts and, and uh, meet with him and his family. Now, you know, I have no idea, um, you know, how how Sindley and his family, you know, deal with life. Life in Haiti's pretty rough right now. Um, but Sindley walks to school. Um, he lives in a home with no running water, uh, no plumbing. Uh, he has uh, six older brothers and sisters that live in their house together. But that's, look at that smile. That was just taken last week, right before school started. So Sindley's a happy boy, and he's a good boy, and he's doing great. He just got promoted to third grade. I'm really proud of him. When I look at that picture, I see and feel the love in my heart for Sindley. I know he loves me, and I love him. How can I be angry when I look at that face? How can I be angry? So that is my challenge to you. Look around in your life and defeat places of anger with God's never-ending grace. Be doers of God's word, not just passive listeners, for that is where you will find God's grace and love when you do the word you are called to do. It's a love so big and so penetrating, it can bring peace. It can bring peace to you, to me, to our church, to our community, and it can bring peace to the world. So find that peace by being a doer of God's word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.